good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, a little after 5 o'clock on a Wednesday, and it's, uh, in my opinion, the perfect time to sit down and have a cup of joe. One day, I'll have a cup of joe in my hand, too, and I can share it with you all. Um, we're in a difficult time in the world right now. We're in a great time in the world, too, for some. But we still live in a world where people are locked up for the cannabis plant. And I say that in no uncertain terms. I don't care if you're locked up because you were selling it or growing it or making something with it, <clears throat> transporting it, uh, selling it, whatever. I don't care. There's not another situation in the world where a plant is a crime. It doesn't make sense for a plant to be a crime. But we let it happen. We talk about that many times. I'm not going to go on the same tirade as always. Um, we live in a world where people are still locked up today for this plant. One of the people that are locked up is a man by the name of Craig Cecil. And... Um, We've been supporting him avidly, as well as every other plant prisoner, best as we could. And, uh, you know, we're dealing with some serious shit right now regarding Craig. Um, would you please respond and say I'm on the radio show right now? Thank you for interrupting me. Love it, folks. I've been doing this radio show for seven years now, or six years, and yet every single time somebody I know has to call at this time. Anyways, at this moment, I don't have a screener. I'm hoping to have one soon. I've got a bunch of calls on the line, and I'm hoping to be able to uh, get to you all that are on the line without doing a wild card. I'm, I've been asked do a 10-minute video, and I'm pretty sure I can pull it off in about five, talking about who I am, and it's supposed to be included in some sort of a of a, of a show or something. Anyways, um, I figured the best way to do that was just to do it on the air, and that way they can cut it out of this video, and we'll do it in the beginning. If by the time I'm finished with this, we don't have a screener, I'll do some wild card screening and we'll just uh, get to listen to it all live and explore the joys of an all-volunteer organization. love my organization. I love everybody that's involved in it. It's just one of the shortcomings when you don't have a budget because you've got a bunch of people that care enough to just get out there and help and no big company, not a legal cannabis company for God's sake, um, certainly has, has offered to uh, help the work we're doing to fight for, advocate for people's civil rights, including the right to choose, catch that phrase, the right to choose to medicate ourselves with a plant that grows naturally on this planet without any help from anybody. <clears throat> we choose to do that because we're given by our creator the inalienable right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if we pursue our happiness 
while we're growing a plant, it seems to make sense. There's no conflict with anybody else's right. So that's where we get our right to do this, straight up. My name is Joe Grumbine, <clears throat> and uh, I've been doing this show now for many years, and uh, or some version of it. And uh, here, do that again, because okay. there's another one. Let's right. just make sure. Let's just make sure that I'm telling my sense pricing over already. Check his email. Anyways, um, God, I just love it, love it, love it, love it. Thoughtfulness, thoughtfulness is a wonderful thing. You know, when we go through life realizing that we're part of a bigger picture, that we're part of a, of a picture that is bigger than our own world, um, that we influence and affect everybody around us at all times, that's one thing about being locked up teaches you real quickly is that everything you do affects everybody else around you and that you need to learn to respect other people's spaces and other people's uh reality because it'll affect you awful quick if you don't. And here on the other side of things, a lot of people walk around blindly just doing what they're going to do and and don't seem to consider the fact that what we do affects everybody around us. Um, but there's actions, reactions, consequences, and all that fun stuff that happen regardless of, of our awareness of it. Anyways, again, my name is Joe Grumbine, and I became aware of the cannabis plant back in, oh, I don't know, about 1979. I think I tried it for the first time that year. <clears throat> I wasn't very old, as you might imagine, but uh, it was one of those things that uh, I was always the youngest in the people I hung out with, so I had some friends that were older than I, and I can still remember I might have been in seventh grade or eighth grade, something like that, and a buddy of mine had a plant growing, and I remember, didn't know much about what pot was, but my buddy had harvested a bud, and I remember him taking it and chopping it up onto a paper plate, putting it in a microwave to dry it, and then he rolled up a joint, and I took a couple of hits, first time I ever smoked pot, and it didn't do much for me, I didn't find it good or bad or sideways. It was an interesting experience. My dad smoked a pipe, tobacco pipe, and I puffed on that a few times before. It wasn't of much consequence. And then uh, a couple of years later, when I was in high school, I, I again became acquainted with it and come to like it. Come to like it quite a bit. And, you know, back in those days, most of the pot had seeds in it. And I can remember uh, in 1982, we had gotten a hold of some tie stick, and in that tie stick were some seeds, and I planted those seeds uh, in a little pot that I stuck in uh, a greenhouse that my dad had built, and um, it grew. And I went out there every day and took care of this little plant and thought it was in, in, interesting. It, it connected with me. Oh, there we go. We got a screener. Hey, hopefully uh, this will all be great. Thank you, Becca. Becca, Becca is That's right. Here. Anyways, um, so that all being said, that plant turned out to be a male. My dad ended up finding it and killing it, and I had grown several others, and uh, just come to like it. Well, come about 1985 or so, um, I met a guy who had some really good pot. Now I'm out of high school, and I remember sitting at my friend's house, and... Uh, 
passed a joint around, and I got so high, I got stuck on that couch, and I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. <laughs> I was really never had anything like that before. And um, we became friends. And, uh, you know, I'm one of these guys who's always tried to surround myself with people smarter than me and more uh, experienced and, you know, so I can learn from them without having to do everything they did. And it's uh, this guy ended up um, being the one who grew that pot, and it was really great because he taught me how to grow it. And I was a guy who had integrity and did what I said, which is a very unusual trait in this world, as, as you may come to find out. And we became partners, and uh, meaning we grew pot together. And uh, I grew, I put together a little indoor grow, and we started some things. He taught me how to clone, and that was kind of cool. And I was already making other clones of other kinds of plants. I didn't even know you could clone cannabis plants. And uh, anyways, we started growing uh, clandestine on mountainsides, and it was a whole adventure experience. So now I'm in my 20s, and I have more pot than I can smoke, which was really kind of cool. It was a good place to be, in my world anyways, and uh, had all kinds of extra trim and all this good stuff. At the same time, I started studying medicinal herbs. I have a lung condition that I was born with and have dealt with all kinds of treatments, uh, Western medical treatments, including uh, allergy shots and tests and medicines of every kind. My dad was a surgeon, so I had good medical care, good medical care, giant air quotes on that. And I just hated the way they made me feel. I hated the experience. I never liked going to doctors. I didn't like being poked. And I certainly didn't like needles stuck in me. So I said, you know what, one day I'm going to just see if there's any other alternatives. Meanwhile, I'm using cannabis as a recreational uh, experience and loving it smoke pot every day for a long, long, long time, still do actually for the most part, and uh, I came upon after a year or two of exploring some, uh, how to make some medicinal herbal remedies and growing medicinal herbs, I came upon one book that had a liniment uh, recipe and it involved soaking cannabis um, in alcohol and creating a tincture, and I had already been making other types of tincture, and I had gone to Mexico and gotten this really good alcohol, and it was called Puro de Caña, and it was a, uh, a 98% uh, uh, cane alcohol, and it was a great tincturing alcohol because it didn't leave anything behind, and it was stronger the alcohol, the better the extraction. And again, this is I believe in 1989, so, you know, we didn't even know there was an endocannabinoid system at that point. We certainly didn't know there were CBD, CBG, CBC, or any of the other vital compounds that we now know about, but we didn't know about any of them. And uh, I made this tincture, and I, of course, I made it very different than we do today, but it worked, turned into this dark green liquid, and went to a friend of mine and said, hey, I doing this thing, what do you think about it? He says, hey, did you try drinking it? I didn't think about that. So I took a slug, and it tasted horrible, but uh, we added a little bit of uh, sugar to it, and it turned around tasting really good. Not really good. It still tasted like hell, but, but it worked. And I came to realize that this stuff is um, amazing. 
fast forward a little bit, I started making a whole line of liqueurs, and, you know, I'm a crazy individual who, when I get inspired by something, I'll take it to the ends of the earth, and I used to go all over the place to every kind of uh, Asian store, Indian store, Mexican store, you name it, any any um, ethnic place, and I'd find flavors, different fruits and spices, and things to make different, unique uh, flavors of this liqueurs. Come to find a lady who is a, an aunt of a roommate who was going through chemotherapy and had cancer and, and was suffering. And, uh, you know, I, I became kind of known as a guy who was tinkering with plants and dabbling with this and that. And he asked me, hey, do you have anything for her? And I said, well, I don't know. I've got this stuff that I've been making, and I heard it can be helpful, but I don't know. I said, let's try And gave her a little jar of it and uh, came back a couple of months later hearing that it had made a giant difference in her world. And it woke me up. And that was kind of the first little epiphany that happened. So meanwhile, I began breeding and growing and, you know, doing my whole thing and got married and raised a family and all this other fun stuff in the midst of it all. And about we're going to fast forward all the way to uh, 2006. The economy went to shit. And um, I was in real estate at that time. And, of course, that's where the market went to hell. And um, between then and now, I mean, I had been teaching classes on organic gardening and herbal uh, treatments and techniques and, and building sort of a body of work and began – you know, using this tincture in all kinds of different ways. But, again, the economy went to hell, and a partner and I said, you know, California had passed a law back in 1996, and it was now almost 10 years later. And, you know, there was all kinds of cases, mostly federal cases, and the state seemed to, seemed to be having some things sort of figured out. We went to a bunch of attorneys and... Um, decided we're going to take a chance. We found a place that didn't have a ban on it in Garden Grove, California, and we found a landlord who was willing to rent to us, and, um, you know, we bootstrapped this thing. We built out the rooms, and we took this old uh, building that used to be a, a massage parlor of all places, so it had really strange setup with all these little rooms in it. But we built the thing out and framed it and drywalled it and hung doors and, and one by one met people who were in the business and come to learn. Here, please. I am on the radio right now. Anyways, um, that all being said, um, I just love being derailed. It's just amazing. Just love it. We opened up this dispensary, and our, our model with this was um, to service true medicinal needs. We figured if we were acting in a way that was in the spirit of California law, we'd have the best chance at succeeding. And so um, I took my information that I had gathered over the years and, and the knowledge that I'd acquired and started working with uh, all the people that came in. And I was surprised. I thought to myself when we began this venture that hell of 10% of the people were actually there for legitimate medical benefit it would be a value. It would really have some substance, and I'd say it's worth it. Um, 
Subsequently, I learned that all cannabis use is medicinal value. Even recreational is medicinal. The whole act of, of relaxing and, and uh, recreation is medicine. Why do we all want to go on vacation? Because it's healing. Why do we all look for something to take the edge off? Because the edge is there. All of these things, stress in life is a, is a scourge. It's, it's, it's an antagonist. It's a thing that causes us disease. And so, frankly, anything that removes that without causing us additional harm is medicine. And I come to understand that as I'm moving along. But trying to sort of fast forward through this, but give a, a, a sense of who I am, we come to uh, find a number of these folks, and I even got an oncologist that started referring patients to our to our dispensary, and people started coming in specifically to to find relief and to be healed, and it was really. Um, fulfilling, and I, I would spend way too much time with our clients, and my partner and I went around and around over it, and I would want to give stuff away and, and just help people, and it was, well, it's a business, and we got to, and, you know, it was this constant battle. Um, anyways, one day, I we were still building this thing out. We hadn't been that far into it, and we hadn't gotten a good security system yet, so one of the managers every day would take the entire quantity of the medicine home for safekeeping every day. And um, as we were still bootstrapping ourselves along. So it was my turn one night, and it was in December. I believe it was December 9th, 2007. And I got pulled over. Now, I got pulled over, and I had a little pickup truck, a little Toyota pickup truck that was literally full of pot. And I had duffel bags full of package material, and I had um, uh, edibles, and I had clones in my front seat, and I had pot, lots of pot. There was no denying what I had. I get pulled over, and I was like, oh, crap, you know. But I'm thinking to myself, hey, I'm legitimate in California. It's a local sheriff that's pulling me over. Yeah, you know, you don't know what to think. Anyways, he pulls me over. He's blown away, doesn't know what to think. I show him the paperwork I had. He says, well, you're not in Riverside. You're not in Orange County anymore. You're in Riverside. I was like, yeah. And still, I should be, you know, it's a state law. Anyways, um, that was my first experience being locked up. So they hauled me away. And, of course, everybody in the, in the local uh, police station where they first got me to, it's smelling all my pot and, of course, all the comments and the, the wisecracks and, you know, our law enforcement serving and protecting us all, um, you know, mm. took full advantage of, of all of that. And I, I became the joke of the of the room, and then they hauled me off to county, and, uh, you know, I was the kingpin. I was the guy that, you know, they got this big bust. I made the news and everything. It was great. Mm. And um, while I'm sitting in a holding cell, so the thing with getting locked up is, you know, they take a long time processing you into general mm -hmm. population. And there's this whole process, you know, they intake you and they do this and they do that. And they move you from one holding cell to the next. And while I was in there, it was the first time I'd ever been locked up, really. And uh, sitting in this concrete holding cell, and it was probably, I don't know, about 8 foot by 10 foot maybe. Had a little, you know, combination toilet sink in there. And I'm all by myself, and I'm looking around at these walls and these metal bars, and I was like, holy shit, 
how did this happen? And I'm thinking to myself, what did I do that got me here? You know, you think to yourself, I made a series of choices. And, um, and I kept thinking, I'm going, I didn't cause harm to anybody. I did everything I could to follow our laws. This isn't a federal bust. What the hell? How, how is it that I'm here? And some little switch snapped inside of me, and I said, damn, this isn't right. Something's not right. i got to do something about it. And I didn't really think much more about it at the time because I was busy trying to get the hell out of here. And, um, you know, a day or so later I did get out of there. And thus began my journey. Um, quickly I said I better do something about this. I didn't have any money to go uh, get an attorney at the time. So we, I started asking around. You know, there's all these, these activist groups. And I went to them, you know, we all know them by name, but I'm not going to get into it. But I called them all, everyone that I could find. I went to the Yellow Pages. I went to everywhere. And, yeah, we had even supported some of them as a dispensary. And uh, guess what? None of them knew anything. None of them knew what to do. None of them knew how to help. And I was like, holy crap, this is horrible. So one moment I went to one of these organizations and pled my case, and there was an attorney there. He heard my story and um, said, you know, let's talk. Anyways, he researched me. I researched him. He was a good attorney, and uh, he took me on as kind of a charity case. He says, you know, I'll do your case for X amount. I says, all right, well, can you take payments because that's all I can do. He agreed. We went down and began this process. Well, I asked him. I said, what do I need to do to beat this case? And he says, you know what you need to do? You need to fight like it's, your, like it's your own freedom that matters. And I says, okay, I can do that. I will do that. And he began to give me things to do. And one of the things to do was gather people that will support you. He said, community support's important. Get people that will write a letter for you. Get people that will show up to court with you. Get people that will testify for you. And I says, okay, and I'll do that. And I made that my life's mission. And from that point forward, um, I began to speak anywhere I could. I'm not a public speaker, or at least I wasn't, and yet this was important. I was didn't even know what I was up against. Come to find out they were trying to hit me at seven years for the first case, and um, I didn't think that was acceptable. I went, uh, again, you come to get experience in the courtroom pretty quickly. While I was waiting in court for one of my appearances, I met another guy who also had my attorney and couldn't afford him, and we began talking. And he had a case that was a, a backyard grow, not a very interesting or important case by today's standards, but back uh, 10 years ago it was, you know, kind of significant. And I said, well, hell's bells, this isn't cool. And um, then I come to meet another guy who had a federal case. And we began talking. And we said, well, what can we do? We're both broke. We don't have the money for a lawyer. Let's get together and do a fundraiser. Well, I've never done a fundraiser wow. before. I didn't know anything about it. But... I said, what the hell, let's, let's, let's make this happen. And I reached out and I said, who's here with me? Who will help? And people started raising their hand. And I said, great, let's get together and figure this out. I had never done anything like this before. There was no GoFundMe. There was no Facebook fundraisers. There was nobody that was willing to help. So we set out to do it. I have a piece of property that we could have used and started asking, hey, who will help me? Who will help me? And we, one by one, we got somebody here. Next thing we know, we had bands that were willing to play for free. We had people that were willing to speak. We started slotting out um, um, booths and raising a little bit of money. We called
call it the Freedom Fighters Fundraiser, and we put together a T-shirt, and we put together a, um, an event out of nothing. And um, dozens of us volunteered, and we worked hard. We put this event on, and in my opinion, it went exceptionally great. Everything we did, except raise money out of this entire event that lasted an entire day, and I think there was four or five bands that played, and there was... Wow food, and there was everything. It was a great event, and I think we raised a total of about eleven or $1,200. Well, guess what? Between two defendants that we were raising that money for, it wasn't enough to do anything. So we had gathered together with all the volunteers, and there was about 30 of us, and we sat down for uh, it was a good solid day. I think it was a nine-hour session in my big patio at the time, and we sat down and said, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this money that we got? because it's not enough to help either of our legal bills. And we sat there and we said, well, what the hell? What are we doing this for? What's the point? We said, well, the point is people are getting locked up for pot. That's not cool. And we said, well, why are they getting locked up for pot? Well, because it's illegal and it's been prohibited. Well, why is it prohibited? Well, because of a bunch of lies and a bunch of misinformation, a bunch of greedy motherfuckers who decided that they wanted what they wanted more than what we wanted. And... They got their way. They got it to be illegal, and we put up with it, and we didn't stop it. And we were bamboozled into saying, well, it's a dangerous thing. It's going to cause everybody to go crazy and go raping all the white women. And what about the children and all this other fun stuff? So meanwhile, we said, well, what's going to fix it? What's going to fix this prohibition problem? We said, well, if the problem is lies and misinformation, and the problem isn't a problem, so to speak, then maybe the truth will be the answer, and maybe supporting those people that are battling for their freedoms um, and other such things, maybe supporting them would be the answer. So we began the rough draft of what ultimately became the human solution. Ultimately, I went to court. We had our first court support. We created this solidarity ribbon, this little green ribbon with the red cross on it. The purpose of that was so that we could walk into a courtroom together as a group without saying anything, without having a shirt that said, I love pot, without doing anything that would piss people off and without being militant like an armband that we had originally done, mm-hmm. without anything that, that would cause conflict. We were here to to show solidarity, to show that we're here together for something good. And we showed up in my preliminary hearing with the very first solidarity ribbons that, that was ever seen in court, and we watched an impact when we came in. There was maybe a dozen of us and the courtroom wasn't very big, and we watched as every person on the other side of the bar, bailiffs, cops, witnesses, um, the judge himself, the prosecutor, uh, they all looked at us, and they were looking at us intently, like, what the hell are these people here for? Because they're not used to seeing people in support of a defendant. It doesn't happen very often. Ultimately, fast forward, I went to many court appearances, they were not budging all the way down to the very end. And I went through four or five prosecutors, and finally I got a prosecutor and said, well, what is your case? And we dropped a truckload of discovery on them, and uh, trial readiness hearing, um, they offered me the first deal, which was seven years in prison. I said, well, that's unacceptable. Let's see what's going to happen. My attorney went in a closed room uh, session with the judge and the prosecutor, and the judge ultimately dismissed my case. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Best moment of my life. Not only did he dismiss my case, but he issued an order that stated 
in the order that I was found to be compliant with all California law and that all my property was to be returned, including the money that was seized and the pot that was seized. And I thought, wow, that's just unbelievable. Come to find out that cops don't want to give back stuff that they take, and it took me months and threatened of lawsuits. But at one day, finally, I got the the pot back. Well, it's a year old by now, not so good, but I had it all. It was in evidence bags, and it was the greatest feeling ever. Now, I had this order issued by a judge in California Superior Court stating that I was found to be legal, I was found to be compliant of all California laws, and I took a copy of that and I pinned it up in the dispensary as I was still working. A few weeks later, I was raided and began a nightmare, and that piece of paper disappeared, never to be found again. Wow. Uh, we began this battle in the, the court of Long Beach, and it's, it's, it's a long and arduous battle, and um, ultimately, I turned my case into my full-time job, and I advocated everywhere I could, every chance I could, and every time, you know, the Human Solution grew, and it was a local organization at the time, and, you know, we didn't have any reach outside of where it was at, Southern California, but we had several hundred people now that were engaged that were, um, came out of other groups, and, you know, we became our own group, and, uh, Come time for my trial, we had a pretty impressive uh, showing. And ultimately, in an 18-day trial, we had a protest out in front of that courthouse every single day. And it didn't happen easily, and it didn't happen because I was just lucky. It happened because it was my life's work. It was the thing I did every day. And I coerced, I begged, I helped, I, I did everything I could to help other people. And I got people to show up one way or another, and they did show up. And it's in no small part because they showed up, that I'm a free man today. Ultimately, we now have a 501c3 federally recognized nonprofit. We have been doing court support and prison outreach now for almost 10 years. In fact, coming up in a month, in a month or so will be our 10th actual anniversary of the Human Solution being an organization. And about almost five years ago, we got our 501c3. And we've been in courtrooms all over the country and in other countries, been in Great Britain, we've been in Canada, um, and I believe Australia, New Zealand, and our message is the same. We have a right bestowed upon us by our Creator to possess, cultivate, and distribute and whatever we want to do with this cannabis plant because it's a plant and it doesn't cause harm to anybody, especially other people. And... Um, we don't see any reason why we can't do that except for a law. That's a bad law. Historically, there have been bad laws all the way from the beginning of time since first laws have happened. And guess what? Those laws should be broken, and this is one of those laws. So we teach about jury nullification. We teach about the importance of community support. We show up and help people. And when somebody is locked up, um, we do what we can to help them. And, you know, it's a difficult thing. We're an all-volunteer organization and um, people come and go, you know. People claim they're going to do stuff and they don't. They uh, claim they're not going to do stuff and they do. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a mess. But meanwhile, there's enough of us that care enough that we're carrying forward, moving this thing forward. And there's a guy that calls into the show every week, and his name's Craig Cecil. But he hasn't been calling in for the last four or five weeks. And it's because, as far as we know, he's still locked up 
in the hole in the solitary housing unit and um, it's disturbing and troubling and we've done letter writing campaigns and we've done press releases and we're reaching out to uh, uh, to come up with a plan to do more and we've got a man on the line right now that we're going to go to our first guest his name is Paul Free he's a man that was locked up for a very long time and he's a person that we as an organization have supported when he was locked up and now he's free so uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to Paul since he's free but there was a moment uh, a few years back where I was trying to find somebody that would help his case and went through a, a, a hassle trying to find somebody I never did get a hold of but hopefully um, you know we'll hear a little bit more but Paul's got some insight he's been inside a federal prison for a long time and we're hoping uh, to get his counsel on what's the best way how can we help him how can we help Craig um, in a way that won't cause him harm? And without any further ado, XPOW Paul Free. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing really great. How are you? Can you well, hear me? You know, I got asked to give an intro, and of course, I thought I could do it in ten minutes. Of course, it took a little longer than that. But you know, I, I get I get a ramble in it. You know how it is. You've got a story to tell. You start telling yeah. it. Yeah. Well, we spoke. Um, Many years ago, at a, you were having a Thanksgiving dinner somewhere, and I called and talked to you and yep. a bunch of other people. Yep. You're absolutely correct. Um, In fact, that was the Thanksgiving that uh, many of our members met many of you folks that were behind bars at the time. Yep. Hey, you know what? Tomorrow is my last day in federal custody. On Friday morning, Woo! Right. <laughs> That's fantastic. after 20, 25 years, two months, and 19 days, at 7.15 Friday morning, or thereabouts, they're going to cut the GPS tether off my leg, and I'm going to walk out a completely free man with no probation, no parole, nothing. I'll be Woo! free like my last name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that yeah. is something to celebrate. Something yep, to and celebrate. I'm go... I'm gonna be. I'm gonna get a car. My brother's gonna help me get a car. So I'm gonna drive from here to Washington D.C. and I'm gonna stand in front of the White House in the exact same spot where some people stood holding my poster, the Free Paul Free poster, years ago. I'm gonna stand in that same spot and have my picture taken. I'm gonna have a T-shirt that says "Free John Knock and all the pot prisoners." And I'm gonna go to Washington. Go to go to. I'm going to go to the Capitol building. I'm going to walk in and see my representatives and my members of Congress and say, hey, what the hell are you people doing? That and is I'm not fantastic. going to stop until, don't stop until I'm either dead or everybody is out of prison, hopefully the latter. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. um, we're in the beginning stages of organizing a walk across America that's going to begin next June and start in California and end in Washington, D.C. And That's I would what we certainly need to love, do. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're 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 in the in the beginning stages of organizing it. But we've got we've got committees already putting it together. We've got some initial sponsorship, and we got a plan. So we will be marching across the country, and we would absolutely I'll, love it if you could be there with us. I will be there. I've got a bicycle. I've been riding since I I got out. May 1st, I got to the halfway house, and I had to right. stay there a couple months because I couldn't find anybody that would rent to me, even though I offered to pay four months in rent in advance. It seems that whenever they heard my name, they Googled it, and 
didn't call me back. But anyway, I finally got a place. I've been here a little over a month. It's my own little place, and it's just absolutely wonderful. My cooking, I'm not a good cook, but God darn, my stuff is good. I had a hamburger <laughs> one and a half inch thick. Yeah. I hear you. So I'm, in, I'm enjoying well, I, life. I'm enjoying life. That is fantastic. It's so great to hear. You know, we we've been we've been supporting POWs now for a long time, and one by one, you know, we're watching them get free and and uh, spending some time with them. Some of them are sticking around helping. Others are just getting back to their lives. And you know, anything's okay for somebody who's suffered that way. I don't. You know, I I I'm always grateful when one of you guys is willing to come in and help because. You have a voice that, that's unique. You know, you've experienced things that so many people haven't. You have a story to tell that, that, that's powerful, um, and, it, and it tells, you know, a different story from what so many people think. Uh, we live in a world now where there's people making millions of dollars selling pot on, the, on a street corner in a building where the same people got arrested and haven't seen the light of day for, for decades. Oh, so yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's a... What I did, I'm in Michigan. I'm in Michigan, and what I did is completely legal here. Yet I've still got the tether on, but but in one more day that tether's coming off, and I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be gone. Let me before I forget, I want to tell you something. I hope you realize that those of us locked up really, really appreciate what all you people are doing for us, and you just it's in your heart to help. People like you and Vincette Wilson and Amy Povar and, and Beth Curtis. And, and, you know, there's so many I could go on forever. But I just want you all to know that, that, that we really, really appreciate your efforts. So well, you. you know, it, it's all about just fixing the world. The world's all broken, and we're just trying to fix it. And, you know, I had a taste right. of being locked up. That was enough for me. I said, this is not okay. So... I got a question for you, Paul. You know, um, we've been sure. working and helping, trying to help out Craig Cecil for a long time, and uh, he got locked up in the solitary housing unit as a result of a guard that, that smacked him down, and he complained, and next thing you know, we haven't heard from him in about almost five weeks. Um, and, well. You know, we. What do you what do you think would be the best thing that we could do as an organization or just as people that care um, to affect some change for him. Well, first, I'd find out for sure where he's at. Um, have you have you uh, gone on the internet, gone to bop.gov, and find out if they're locked yeah, down or not? Letters to us. We've gotten some letters from him, sort of explaining the situation. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we so have he's, in, he's in the shoe. Yeah, definitely yeah. We have well, well. Yeah, you got to be careful when you're locked up in these federal prisons because they can do some just outrageously stupid and mean and vicious things and get away with it. They cover their ass with paperwork, and you're not going to beat them unless you've got somebody with, that can film what they do and get the film out. But that's near impossible. But in his situation. You know, in the old days, if you had a problem with a cop, you went in a room with no camera and you whooped each other and, you know, you were good friends after that or as close could be. But nowadays it's a lot different. They, they'll they come in three, four deep and beat the hell out of you 
and there's not a thing you can do. And if you raise your voice and, and tell people about it, then they, they'll find something else to do to you. They put you on what's called diesel therapy at a minimum. That's where they put you on a bus that's leaking diesel fuels in all day long and drop you all over the country for a day and put you in some old nasty uh, county jail for night, pick you up at 3 o'clock next morning, do it all over again and again and again and again. But, you know, you just got to learn to, to choose your battles. And um, right. sometimes you just got to let stuff go until you can get out and then raise your voice. I had to hold a lot of stuff in, and I still am, because I'm still in the custody bureau of prisons right now. And right. Uh, but Friday morning, that's going to change, and I'm going to be able to do things and try and help <laughs> people. But anyway, back back to Craig. Um, I would just sit tight, not do. I wouldn't write okay. letters or anything, because if you write letters to the warden or people above him. Uh, they're going to ask the prison what happened, and they're going to show them some paperwork that justifies what they did and why he's where he is. And right. so it's not it's not going to help you or him. Um, I just sit and wait till he gets out and let him figure out that whatever he did, maybe he shouldn't do it anymore. You know. Got it. Well, the way we understand. Um, he's a diabetic, and we've gone through. You know, we've been supporting him for years, and they've. They've given him grief cutting off medicine and his diet and you know how they how they are in there oh, with yeah. food. And uh yeah. a couple of times uh you know, we've we've raised a stink on his behalf and it seemed like it helped. It seemed like uh, you know, he, he got the he got the we got the desired effect. But this time uh they had something where they denied him access to the law library because he was a diabetic. And he was trying to figure out what's you know what's up with that because that's not a thing you know it's not a it's not a BOP policy, and uh, no. apparently um, you know a guard came up and cold cocked him, and you know knocked him out and <laughs> and he went to file a complaint, and that's when all this stuff happened and uh, you know no. they didn't they didn't like the fact that he was speaking up on his own behalf. Well, that'll teach him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I would. uh, I question whether or not he was denied library privileges because of his diabetes. Now, I did 23 years in the U.S. penitentiary, and uh, I saw a lot of men in there who were diabetic and who were in wheelchairs. Some of them had were missing legs, uh, all sorts of diseases and problems. But. that's a new one to me, and I don't think it's an official policy, but it, uh, I could check on it I if you want. I don't think it is either. Um, I, I, yeah, uh, I think well, they were using if he, if he he did something to cause that that guard to, to knock him out, well, maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't deserve it. You know, probably didn't. But it happened, and uh, it's best to forget about it and go on with your life and and get out and be back in a population where he can do things for himself. Right. Well, that's good advice. Um, and again, you know, I'd rather, you know, we speculate from out here when we, we haven't, uh, you know, done that kind of time and spent the experience that you have. And that's why I, I wanted specifically to ask you because you do have that experience and it's a different point of view. And um, it, oh, yeah. it's more in line with what his point of view is because he's experiencing the same thing. I think he's been in there for 18 years and, uh, you know, yep. 
We we just want to see him get out safe. That's all. Listen, listen. If he's being denied his 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 insulin or whatever he's taking, then that's a good thing for you people to get involved. For all of us to get involved, write letters, make phone calls, things like that. But being locked up in the shoe and there was a fight involved where he was knocked out, I, I don't know if it's really worth it. You know, it could be cause more harm than good. But like I said, he's being denied his medication. Some heck, yeah, get on the line, call the warden. You know, call the right. warden's warden. Um, one more thing, before I forget, you mentioned sure. earlier that um, you, you had a um, a piece of paper from the from the judge saying when you were released that um, you were allowed, you were complying with California law, and that paper disappeared. Well, I was wondering, did yeah. you ever go on the court's website and go to the docket and see if you could find that paper and print it out. You know, so much, so many things have happened so quickly at the time. I never did, but I still could. I still want to keep that piece of paper because it was, you know, my case is now resolved and and ultimately um, after being convicted and overturning it and dealing with it for six years, they finally gave up and they, they, uh, the prosecutor actually dropped the case after six years. But, um, you know, and now it's been five years since then, so the federal statute is over. The feds can't even come in on me for that case anyways. So I'm kind of like, you know, like you say, leaving well enough alone. But um, I would definitely like to get that copy of that order again because, again, it stated clearly that I was in the right, that the court found I was fully compliant of all California laws. Okay, there's two ways you could do it. You could either get an attorney or somebody who has a PACER account and go right to the uh-huh. website, go to that, go to your docket for that case, and look through the docket. Okay. And when you find that that paper, just download it and print it out. Or you could go into the courthouse yourself, or someone walk in there and say, "I want a copy of this," and have them pull it up on their computer and send it to the printer and hand it to you. Perfect. Yeah, I've well, got the date that it happened, so it shouldn't be that hard to get a hold of. No, it shouldn't. If you have any trouble, just email me, and uh, I got a Pacer account. I can get on there and find them. I don't know if I got state court stuff though. I got all the Fed courts. Oh yeah, I got access to state court. Yeah, yeah. Well, you let well me know. Paul, I, I pretty much look forward to working with you as 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 you are experiencing your freedom and and uh, um, you know you're getting out there, continuing to battle. Uh, George Martorano is waiting online right now. And he did 32 years in federal prison, and he's yeah. out there helping. He's a great advocate and a and a you know a lifetime member of our organization as well, and just um, you know doing the right thing, you know trying to trying to keep going yeah. after after it all. So I'm I'm pleased and yeah. proud that you made those decisions, and I certainly would love to help as uh, as you're experiencing your freedom. I'm loving it. I've been working at the uh, Michigan Humane Society and for the Unitarian Church. That keeps me busy and gets me out of the halfway house every day of the week, seven days a week. I had to get out of there because that place is horrible. That's one of the worst places I've ever heard of. But anyway, that's behind me now. Well, I I look forward to talking to you uh, more after after Friday. And um, we do this show every Wednesday, and you're absolutely welcome to call in anytime. And and uh, anything that we can do as an organization to help out anything you're doing, let us know, um, and we'll keep All you right. in the loop as as we're developing.
developing the plan for the walk across America. It's going to begin in cool. June 2020, and uh, we'll be Good. we'll be marching. So, awesome. All right. All right, Paul. Well, I'll be with it's a you. pleasure. All right. Thank you. All it's right. wonderful. Well, thank you. Bye bye. Goodbye. Day and a half and free all together. All right, um, Becca, if you're still on the line, we've got a couple of more calls to screen. But I recognize this one. This is George Martorano, so I'm going to jump right to him. And uh, we got all kinds of calls. This is the home of the two-hour, one-hour show. Uh, I keep trying to have a one-hour show, but it keeps saying no. So we're going to – we got a lot of people that want to talk. we got Jeff Eichen on the line. we got Glenn Keeling on the line, Pete Yapel on the line. Uh, we got Dana Bland. we got Mike and Sarah and uh, Zachariah. That's just the ones I know about. So let's get over here. We got George Martorano. Once again, I know by the phone number who I'm talking to, my brother from another mother. George Martorano, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, Joe. How's my West Coast family? How's everybody? Doing okay. great. We just got off the phone with Paul Free, who just uh, is a, a day and a half away from getting off paper. Woo! Oh, good, 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 good. There's so so many of us still suffering uh and incidentally, uh, uh, I'm in New York City. Uh, I've been interacting in New York City doing all the popular podcasts uh, because I'll be doing a podcast out of my place in November in Philadelphia. So, you know, a smart guy tries to learn all he could. Like your show, Joe, it uh, went from obscurity to uh, it reaches out to many, many people, many, many people. Such a blessing. Anyway, uh, I want to talk tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen, about the second chance. I'm happy to, to announce that I, there was a, a friend of mine, uh, Bobby, that uh, he uh, was in jail for murder, and uh, he did a lot, a lot of years and was exonerated, and he's doing so much in the Philadelphia community, uh, Bobby, that we are, we're actually thinking about running him in politics because – What's going on in politics today with these individuals? And I'm, I'm not saying he or she are bad people, but they're not getting it. And so us, us people that have been incarcerated for whatever and have been exonerated and prison, uh, their prison programming has showed that extraordinary that they really had made their metamorphosis. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to develop is people. The second chance is from some serious cases. The second chance, I mean, you can be a second, you can have your second chance from a, uh, from some, you know, minor cases of situation like that, which doesn't make them bad people. But I want to give the second chance to these people that had severe cases because they, it seems to me that they, 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 they're saying all the right things. They're doing all the right things. So, you know, Joe, we have to look at the serious nature from the people that are coming out of prison in a serious nature, you know, and they're the ones, they're leaders, they're they're leaders in the community with the second chance, Joe. You know, George, um, I just met up with a woman a couple of weeks ago who has a a reentry program nonprofit, and um, we've agreed to work together, and she does uh, work on expungement and also reentry, as you know, we've been talking about coming up with a reentry program, and we have um, our Kansas chapter has a has an idea on a state level for bringing in businesses to sponsor 
inmates that are, um, you know, either coming up for parole or probation and giving them, uh, more or less sponsoring them as, as giving them a place to work and, and housing and whatnot as a, as, a, as a head start, that would be in somewhat subsidized. And so we're, uh, you know, tax breaks or whatnot. And so we're, we're, we're coalescing this right now, and I would certainly love to be involved in anything that you have that, that's a, involved with the reentry project and it's not just well, about the prisoners, it's about the, the criminal justice system and how broken it is. And, and it is absolutely about nonviolent um, plant prisoners and any nonviolent well, offense. But yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. But I want to I focus on the, the severe cases that come home. The, you, know, uh, you know, guys that got a break from a... They, this is one of the individual I've been working with, Bobby. He was a juvenile. He was a juvenile put a case, on a case. He had nothing to do with, but he was away till he was 20, uh, almost 30 years as a juvenile. Pennsylvania has the worst worst laws for juvenile with murder cases. So, but these are the people that I'm trying to get the American interest in. This just because it is a severe case doesn't mean this individual doesn't need a second chance, doesn't, he's doing, all the people that like my case, my case, ladies and gentlemen, was a severe case. I had life, no parole. So I believe these people make a big statement when they're coming home and they want to do the right thing, these severe cases. So that's my message tonight. You know, uh, you know, when you, when you come out of hell, I mean, doesn't doesn't make a difference how much mud you have on them. It's just, you, you shake it off and you do good. So uh, yeah, I just want to share with everyone tonight. It has to do with the redemption. You know, we're human beings, and we all fall short. We all we all do stupid things in our lives, and sometimes we pay a price that's what we deserve, and sometimes if we pay a price that's more than we deserve. Sometimes we get away with it, but frankly. The thing is, is when somebody makes a choice that they want to turn their life around and do good, that's the thing about a human being is we have that ability. And I think that there's not enough of a system that allows for that. You know, you get stuck in the system and, and there's no way out. And I think that that's what we're talking about here is, is, is nurturing, developing, creating a well, system. Yeah, my, my message tonight, that. ladies and gentlemen, and on the show you know, a second chance applies to everyone, even if it's a severe situation that you're coming out of prison. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, George. I appreciate your good words, and uh, certainly we agree with seeing, that. I'll be, I'll be seeing you in November. Make sure you got my bunk ready. Oh, you betcha. We got your cot ready anytime you come by. All right. All right. All right, All right. Thank you. Thank you. George Martorado. All right, so now um, I've got Becca is going to come on live, and I got our Vice President of the Human Solution, Lisa Wildridge, and she's going to have a little discussion with Becca about the walk and how it's going to work and how things happen, and, um, you know, that's how it is. Uh, here it is, Lisa Wildridge, for a few minutes. Hey, guys. Hey, Becca, are you there? Becca. Okay, give Becca a second. She'll be here in just a second. 
So I was kind of wondering myself, because I've never done um, the walk before, how you do it. And um, Becca, was she's actually done a walk before. She walked across America in support of um, Native American rights, uh, Indian rights. So um, she's done it. She knows what's involved. Because I was kind of curious, how do you do something like that? If we're over here and people are walking, what, do we all walk at once? Um, how do the people eat? So Becca really informed me quite a bit as to um, how it went on. Becca, where are you? So um, I can't Just hear. click on her. Oh, click on her. Okay. She's right there. Yay! There you are, Becca! Yeah. Go ahead, Becca. Go ahead. It's your turn. You tell tell them how this thing is done. Let me ask you a question. How do the people eat when they're on the when they're on the walk? They um usually eat. Uh, when we were on the walk that I was on, we had a base staple of rice, beans, dried foods like that, and we had a cook. His name was Nacho. He took charge of the cooking because he couldn't walk, and he would go ahead with a group of people and prepare all the food. So when the walkers were done walking. There was dinner or breakfast or lunch or whatever. It's kind of a group and event. Everybody pitched in. How do you, and then what did you say about, like, the people don't have to carry, like, their backpacks and their tents and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely not. We have we had a caravan. Um, a lot of times it went on the truck. Everybody's gear, anything that they had. So nobody had to carry anything while they were walking because walking's enough without having to carry all your gear. Okay, and then I'll ask one more question, then you can kind of explain everything. Sorry, I forgot to when I forgot to push the button. Um, so, um, how about? Let me see. What was another question? I think I can answer one more know. question, then I got to finish screening because the calls are stacking up. I'm screening too. So. Oh my God. Okay, so basically, um, if somebody wants to walk even just a half a mile, they can walk a half mile. If they just want to hand out water bottles, they can do that. And then um, if yes. somebody wants to do, like, glamping, they're welcome to do glamping, but this is a bare-bones thing on a human solutions end. We're not like, you know, we don't have an 80000 or $180,000 provost bus. We're talking like a chuck wagon that has beans and rice, like Becca said. We're yeah, that's about- what we did for three months. And we slept on the ground. We slept in parks. We slept um, in buildings if people would let us sleep in their building. We slept on a couple of reservations. It's bare bones. Amazing. I got rid of my tent, everything. I just used a sleeping bag, and I'd roll up in a tarp if it was raining. But that was me, yeah. you know? Yes. yes, and you walked all the way from where to where? Um, I joined them at Colorado, and I walked all the way to D.C. from Colorado. I started in yeah. a blizzard in Colorado, ended in 100-plus degree temperatures in D.C. Wow, that's awesome. That's Went through awesome. a lot of shoes, so, too, and lost a lot of weight. Okay. <laughs> Shoe donations, apparently. So if somebody wanted to donate, how would they donate? Because obviously we're going to need money for food, right, money for gas, yep. for the chuck wagon, for the support uh, vehicle. So how do people donate? I believe that the donation is set up on our website, walk4change.us. You can go there and click on the Donate button and make a donation. And then if somebody wants to join us, what do they do? I would go there as well. There should be a contact sheet on there. If there's not a contact sheet on there, go to thsintl.org 
and fill out a contact form there and let us know you want to know about the walk. Yay! All right, we got to let Becca go, but she she has a lot of answers for this. She did it. How far did you walk again, Becca? I personally walked um, almost 2,000 miles, I think. I walked some days 30 miles an hour. I mean, 30 miles a day, but I was young. I was 21 at the time. So That's I was incredible. a hardcore walker, one of the main That's walkers. Of- yeah. So all people are welcome, even if you can't walk, you're not super strong like Becca. You know, if you just, even if you're in a wheelchair, it's okay. Somebody will push you. There's so you're many things that need to be done. Yeah, exactly. And you can wheel. You don't have to walk. You can wheel, skateboard, ride your bike, hand out water, help in the kitchen. There's so many things that can be done. There's always a place for everyone. Okay. It sounds like a great plan. And I really, I appreciate you letting me know because I was like, you know, how one person here and one person's there, what's this person supposed to do? But it just, it just makes sense. And you, you get picked up as we go well, along. And if you can walk for a little bit, great. If you can't stay where you're at, you've, you've said hi while you're there, you know, wear a ribbon, join the human solution. So do you have anything else to add? Becca? And, and, um, no, but I'll call in again next week and hopefully have more time. Um, the show won't be so yeah. busy with callers that I can talk okay. more about it. I got a lot more to say. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Becca. We appreciate you, and thank you for screening. No problem. So that's it, guys. So we're going to do a walk across America. We want to end cannabis prohibition, and we want to release all nonviolent cannabis prisoners. So with that being said, here's our fearless leader, Mr. Joe Grumbine is back. Yay! All right. Awesome. Becca, so you got them all straightened out? Yeah, he does. Okay. Back to screening. Good. Excellent. It looks like we got a whole bunch more people on the line. Excuse me. So let's see. Let's just start marching through. I think I've done all my yapping. Um, let's start with Pete Yapel. See what Pete's got to say. Pete has got the traveling chapter, Solidarity Over Separation, and uh, he is banging away. So, Pete, how's it going today? It's going good, Joe. We're uh... Actually, in North Carolina today, uh, we had an unfortunate situation happen the night before last. We got a phone call at 4.30 in the morning, and uh, Helen's oldest brother is uh, not good at all. He's in the hospital. He had a major heart attack, and uh, it doesn't really look uh, very promising that uh, it's going to be uh, good in any way. Uh, but So we're here handling that at the moment. Uh, but getting ready to go to Missouri obviously, on the 19th, so that we can uh, kick off this pre-rally for the walk, and uh, we're excited about that, so crazily excited about it, so, uh, well, you know, well, why we're out here and why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> well, it's going to be good, and uh, I come to find out just last night that uh, I'm going to have an opportunity it looks like I'm I'm going to Missouri. I was going there just for a day, but um, it turns out that it looks like I'm going to have an opportunity to speak in front of the Kansas State Legislature about um, the the proposed bill or the bill that's been submitted, and uh, I I got an audience uh, amongst just a few people, and my concern is going to explain that a little deeper. But it looks like I'm going to be sticking around for a couple of extra days. So um, that's all. That's uh, exciting stuff in the in the heartland of the of the good old U.S. of A. So it's exciting uh, exciting to watch opportunities happen. And you know, the lesson here is that when people get out there 
and they work. They show up. Treat this like a job. Treat this like it's important. You know, don't just sit on your computers and clack and be angry um, and whine and complain about what's not right, but actually get out there and put forth an actual effort. It makes a difference, and it doesn't take a million of us, but, hell, if we had a million of us, we could get anything we want. Let me say that again, folks. Let me say that again. If we had a million of us, we could get anything we want. Mm -hmm. How many millions of us are here in the United States, 350 million? Mm -hmm. What if we just had one? One three hundred and fiftieth of the population of the United States really? got together and said what we want. We would have it. We would have it. Absolutely, so. without without question. You know, without question. It just takes people to to finally and we say it all the time, like get up. And like people heard tonight, you know, you don't have to walk. You can hand out a water bottle. You can if you have a special talent that you can draw, make signs for people. You know what I mean? There's there's lots of things that people can do in support of the walk and to show their support of the walk as it goes through. It's going to happen organically. Mark my word. It's already happening. Well, and and that's going. it. We're here to inspire it to happen faster and better. And um, I'm all about organically, and I'm also all about um, doing things with intent and purpose and uh, causing them to happen. And that's, you know, it's a combination of all of those things that's happening here and now. And, you know, it, it, like you say, it is happening. You know, we, I, we've had conversations with, with one after another um, previous inmates, people that, you know, that one Thanksgiving, it was the Thanksgiving uh, after I got out of, of custody. And um, when I got more, you know, decided that it was important to uh, really – spend a lot of effort on these POWs, and we had a Thanksgiving where we had a bunch of our Human Solution family together, and we had, I had contacted, uh, you know, at the time I was in contact with, I don't know, maybe 20 different POWs, and most of them have since been released, many of them anyways, not all of them, but certainly many of them, and um, at the time I had sent them an invitation to call and share Thanksgiving with us. And, um, you know, they all got their 15 minutes, and it began at probably around 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon and went on until, I don't know, in the evening. And uh, we scheduled all these calls, and we put them on speakerphone, and everybody get a chance to say something. And, um, you know, it made a difference, and, and it inspired some folks who used to be engaged with us um, uh, to go out there and, and, and help the POWs and, and you know, People come and go, but if something makes a difference, it makes a difference, and, and that's one of those things that did. And Paul remembered that from, you know, like you say, six, seven years ago, that one simple action um, makes a difference. So, you know, when one person decides to do something and set something in motion and bring people together to participate, it makes a difference, and that's why I keep uh, – I keep doing this show. I keep saying, you know, can one more person come and help? Can one more person come and help? And actually help, not just say I'm going to help, but actually help. We, we need that part of it. I get tons of them that say they're going to help. If I had a stack of all the people that raised their hand and says, I'm there for you, and didn't show up, I'd have a stack that went halfway to the moon. But, um, you know, you guys are doing it, walking the walk, driving the drive, and, uh, that's what we need. We need more, and uh, you guys are part of the solution to make that happen. 
that's all we can try to be every day, man, without question. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and marching forward instead of standing still and just you know, yelling. We That's are the traveling chapter right. of the human solution. The traveling That's right. chapter, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, being that you're a moving target now, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> well, they get a hold of us through Solidarity Over Separation, at gmail.com, or they can get a hold of us at the website, which is uh, com, or just go to the walk and join and participate and donate. And that is and that walk is the number four. Yeah, walk. walk number four change dot us. Is that right? That's right. That's, That's right. right. Awesome. Awesome, That's guys. Right. Well, it's always a. A, a pleasure and a treat to spend time with you guys, and uh, we'll be seeing you in person uh, in about a week from now. So uh, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, we're close. It's closer than I know. It's getting here. Awesome. Always good to see you, Joe. <laughs> we'll see you guys in Missouri, man. It's Look Liz forward to you. it. All right, What's that? Will Liz be joining you? Uh, not this time. She's um, oh, on okay. her fill of traveling for a little while. So, uh, anyways, All right. she she needs to spend a little time home for for a minute. So we're she's got to she's got to manage the homestead. We're gonna keep the business running while we're while while I'm out. So I need her to be here. So all right, you guys, always a pleasure. And we'll talk to you on March. Cup of Joe, home of the two hour one hour show. If you want to call in and join, pick up the phone and dial six four six nine two nine two four. Nine five. We got a bunch of callers, and my pledge is that we'll always get to all of you. Sometimes I gotta prod things along because we're getting uh, getting a little too far ahead of ourselves, but we're okay um, for this two-hour, one-hour show. Um, Glenn, or sorry, uh, Jeff Eichen uh, was poking me needs to come on, so we're gonna bring him, and then we'll go to Glenn, and we'll keep on going from there. Jeff Eichen with the uh, Lifers movie and uh, advocating for Michael Thompson and. All the other POWs from Washington and all over the United States, welcome to the show, Jeff Eichen. Yay! What's happening, everybody? Hamp, hamp, hooray. Woohoo! If you got so any, um, if you got any questions for me, shoot, give them to me hard, get them to me straight. Well, I, uh, you know what, I, I am. Uh, trying to figure out what to do with Craig Cecil right now. And um, I've got some of our members that are really adamant about wanting to get a bunch of people out to Indiana and and show up out there. And, and I would do that if I thought that it would make a real difference. But then you listen to uh, Paul Free, and he's basically saying back, back off because you're going to cause more harm than you're going to do good. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough call because, you know, you get moved to – to act in a certain way, and you think that if we do this, then that will happen, but that doesn't make it so. In in the world of prison, it, it up is down and left is right and yellow is black and black is orange, and it doesn't, things don't have to make sense in a place like that, and, and they have ultimate power over the people that they're housing, and they can cause them, uh, their lives to be a little better or a lot worse. Um, depending on their whim, and there's very little, if anything, that they have to be accountable for when all they have to do is 
clean up their paperwork a bit and say, well, this is why we did what we did or we never saw that happen or whatever. And so, you know, part of what we're trying to do is come up with the best plan possible uh, to help our, our friend Craig. So is Craig in federal or in state? Yeah, yeah, he's been in, he's been in federal for over 18 years, and uh, as far as we know right now, he's in the solitary housing unit. And um, you know, we're we're he he's been a regular on the show for over six years, and he hasn't called in. And I think this is the fourth or fifth week now, and uh, we have well, a good I've, well, I've been following I've been following the story. I've been following the story, and my suggestion is not unlike. Um, what Paul Free said, Paul was a little bit rough because he's been in. I think the our teacher might, in fact, be um, George Monterano because George was in solitary for five years. And when I asked George um, how much uh, daylight he got per day, and he said, how about three day, three hours per week? So it is inhumane. It is effed up. It is bad news that all of this is happening um, right now in front of us. But we got a little bit of insight from Paul Free, no matter what his tone of voice was or if we thought it was a little bit harsh or not. Um, but he did say, let's not rattle the cage and maybe he'll have to stay in further. But there's nothing wrong, I don't believe, with us calling in and asking what is the method to get a JPay? The more that we call in and voice our opinion in a, in a clean, quiet manner, not say, oh, I want to get my buddy out and what the hell is he doing in there. If we can go just call in and say, I have a prisoner, his number is blah, 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 and you can get that on Beth Curtis's site, you know, um, uh, lifeforpot.com, and you can get his number. Or you can get his number right now, just find it and then tell everybody what his, his prison inmate number is. We can send him JPAYs, and I think that, that supporting him will help him get through that time. Again, George was in, in solitary lockdown for five years. That's effed up. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, I know that you've been uh, advocating for Michael Thompson um, pretty strongly, and um, Didi last week – or two weeks ago, I should say. Last week our show was all messed up um, – technically, but um, she gave us kind of an update. Has there been any updates since that time? Well, I talked to, to Michael yesterday, and um, I'm getting ready to, uh, to throw out on my, uh, on, on my site, which is lifersthemovie.com, and on my Facebook, which is Lifers the Movie Facebook and Jeff Eichen, um, a shout-out. Michael actually um, asked for me tell everybody uh let's see if i can if i can get this here if i can get it to to say something hang on just a second here i have a small let's see here turn the microphone off right now okay so i'm gonna see if i can uh i have i've recorded michael he can't call me yesterday and ask me to uh to do a recording for you all so let's see if i can pull it up here i'm gonna be doing some technology here, everybody, and Michael Thompson, um, wait for my spinning ball. But in the meantime, he sounds good. He sounds okay. He's been asking me 
to communicate with with um, Mr. Tommy Chong's uh, family and people and to get Tommy to raise some cane because I believe that some of our um, you know some of our incredible advocates that are that are superstars that are out there as Hollywood stars um, can and they will be compassionate to us if they only knew and if they knew more because they reach millions, you know? And so the more that we make more noise, the more we make more noise before June for the walk, the more we will have the opportunity to get on TV, on national TV, like Bill Maher and things like that. So um, when I was in Canada, I talked about the walk. I met John Sally and he's going to assist us in some, uh, um, he'll, he'll do some spots for us and this and that. So it's really important for all of us to keep, keep on that trail of trying to get some people, um, like I'm looking at a sticker right now. It's, it's jinx proof genetics and jinx proof is this guy. And I think he's got like 2 million, you know, he, he's an influencer and he's just on online and I see him at every show. I saw him at champs in Vegas. I saw him at the Jack Herrera cup, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but these are the people that we need to start to promote um, our, our choir and let them sing for. I agree. You there? Absolutely. The more, people yeah. That, yeah, the more people that can help the better. Um, you know, I, 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 I get frustrated because there's all these people at all these events and so few people actually doing anything to really help. Um, so I, I kind of, distance myself from most of those events for that reason. And I, I dig more into the grassroots, digging my feet in the trenches and trying to find one person to help. But I need and appreciate that you're out there, you know, working the room because uh, all it takes is one of these influencers to get out there and reach their millions. And who knows, maybe that'll make a difference as well. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying not to go under because I have I have so much um, uh, invested in my movie project by myself, you know, and and I have so much invested in time and energy that I really, 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 really want to um, to bring, you know, to well, number one, I would love to be supported and to be able to go to these places and everything like that. But number two. You know, Drug Policy Alliance is coming up. They do every two years, and they're huge, but I have yet to really see them um, uh, initially um, go ballistic, you know, and really make a difference. This week, the gay people, the gay marriage people, went back into the, um, into the Supreme Court to get gay marriage, I mean, gay rights for the workplace. And that was yesterday or the day before. I haven't heard or, or looked up their, their success, but I want to team up with them because they went all the way to the Supreme Court. What we need is to re-legalize marijuana, and then everybody comes home without a record. There you go. Excellent. Did you Were you able to get that recording? I, I, I hate to poke the spurs at you, but we got to keep moving. i got a bunch of guests and a little bit of time. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of this recording here. Let's see here. I've got the.
I want to thank you so much for thanking all of us. Um, these are moments that we live for, Michael. Um, we live for the camaraderie. That means the friendship that we can uh, pull together. And as humans, uh, it's the best we can do is to be rewarded like a dog wagging his tail when he gets a biscuit. So by you thanking us and me, that's my biscuit. So I, re I really appreciate you, man, and um, we're doing the best we can, and I'm glad to be part of the solution, and um, we're going to get you out before June because on June we're walking from California to the White House for reform on Walk for Change. Oh, man, California, well. Yeah, we're walking for change, dude. It's already started. Joe, Joe's helping. Joe Grumbine, the Human Solution, and and Peter is helping uh, to spearhead this. And we're gonna in June 2020, we're starting to walk. Yes, and uh, and uh, just like I said before, you know, I, I I come uh, we all come a long way together. We all come a long way, and uh, uh, my release is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Well, I'll pass the word on. I'll get this out. Everybody, give me a ham pam parade. One, two, three, Michael. Ham pam parade. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, that's our Michael. Awesome, awesome. Well, Jeff, I appreciate as always you coming on the show and uh, all the good work you're doing. And uh, I, I I look forward to the day when you get the support you need to be able to travel around. We you know it's funny people don't realize that activists generally carry their own weight on their back. And um, you know I very every once in a while you see somebody that gets sponsored, but for the most part we all do our own heavy lifting. And um, I'm no different. Um, I, you know it, it it is what it is. We do what we got to do. And, um, you know, hopefully the world will change and all these people that are benefiting from these so-called legalizations, uh, maybe they want to help out a little bit too instead of just uh, shoring up their own positions, as I see so often. Um, but it's time. That's what we're doing. We're making real change. We're, we're uh, bringing freedom and liberty and civil rights and human rights to everybody um, because that's the whole idea, everybody. All right, Jeff. Well, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Lifersthemovie.com, everybody. And my um, my Facebook is Lifers the Movie, and also Jeff Ike and E-I-C-H-E-N. And don't forget, everybody, Pamperay, Paper Fiber, Fuel, and Medicine. Jack Herrera, we're going to make your dream come true and bring all the prisoners home. And thank you so much for um, assisting with the walk and making that happen. Um, maybe we won't need the walk. Maybe it'll happen before that. But in the meantime, everybody keep on walking. You got it. Jeff Eichen, folks, Lifers the Movie, um, advocate extraordinaire. We'll talk to you next week, and uh, we'll see you then. All right. Now we're going to kick it into high gear. Uh, we got so much to say still, so I don't want to ever rush anybody, but there's there's sort of that balance between rushing and 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 being effective and, and efficient with the time that we have left as I'm rambling along. So we got Glenn 
Keeling. Glenn is the chapter coordinator, a chapter coordinator for the Creative Care Beacon chapter out of Ohio. And Glenn is also fighting a case as he is helping others fight their cases. And just a true warrior spirit, one of the true elements of the human solution. I wish we had more people like Glenn and his wife Peggy uh, willing to get out there and fight. And uh, maybe we will, one by one. Glenn, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you again for having me on again. Hey, um, listen, we... uh, We've got that we're coming up on two years here at the end of the month on us, and they have scheduled us for a pre trial on October 31st at 1 p.m. Um, I don't know what's going to happen then, or we'll just have to cross our fingers and, and hope something we do have to appear. Uh, we're asking anybody that can hear my voice or that, that's willing to come that's here in Ohio, man, we need a lot of people to show up for this pre trial because it, it, it's like I said, two years going through this case um, is long enough for 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 what what the case actually is. Uh, we definitely need to support and to show the prosecutor that you know, look, that this is long enough. You know, get, give in, get you know, walk on. Um, so yeah, uh, again, my name is Glenn Keeling. I don't want to take up a whole lot of time. There's a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, listen, yeah, I am the direct uh, the the chapter coordinator, chapter leader of the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution. We're the Creative Care Beacon. We can find us on the internet there, Facebook, or you can give me a call at 419-863-0498. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. I hope you and Peggy are both doing all right tonight. And, you know, folks, you got to understand part of what we do is getting out there in court. And when you can, man, I tell you what, I've been on both sides of that of that experience. I've been out and helped dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred people, I don't know how many people it's been, all over the country. And, and you know, when it comes down to um, a jury getting picked, that's when, you know, I'll, I'll mobilize whatever I need to, even if i got to go across the country to do it. But the truth is, our local support is where the strength is. And if we can get... 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 people out to that courtroom, it will make a difference. If you're anywhere near Ohio at this next court date, please find your way. Find your way to come out there and just be there for Glenn and Peggy. I tell you what, you will find the the um, hidden gem that is volunteering and helping out somebody else who's in need. There's a, there's a, a, a selfish gain that you get from that that I can – I can't even describe. So just all I can say is get out there, get a hold of Glenn if you can, and let's show the support we need. Glenn, thank you so much for being here. And, uh, hell, we'll talk tomorrow. What do you say? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm going to definitely try to be in a place where I can call in finally. <laughs> yes, I'm going to too. Uh, it, it's, you uh, know, there, it is uh, a rewarding to, to go and support other cases. Peggy and I have been doing it since uh, for a long time, but we've been really hitting it hard here since we've been going through our case, you know. Um, it, it, it's not easy going through a case, and we definitely need a lot of people to support anyone going through a cannabis case. If you can't make it to our court case, please find someone around you and go and support them. Write a letter for somebody that's in your state. Craig Cecil needs some letters. Uh, make some phone calls. I wouldn't say you know so much as going and standing outside of the prison or nothing, but 
I would definitely call and ask about his well-being, continue to call and ask about his well-being. That That's, you know, a big thing um, that I think that we could support him by doing that, just, just calling to prison and asking about his well-being. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is how we do it when we show up, and if we're being disruptive and problematic, then we get perceived as a problem. If we show up as citizens that are genuinely concerned and are valuable citizens, um, we become part of the solution. So a lot of it is what we do, and a lot of it is how we do it, and I think it's just important to remember those things. Uh, I see a lot of people with good intention, but, you know, maybe a little too much anger or a little, a little not enough thoughtfulness, and I watch people sometimes um, overdo or underdo or outdo and, and, and sometimes undo the good they're trying to do. And uh, right. a little thought, a little plan, a little uh, effort in, in being effective can go a long way. So just think about what you're doing and how other people um, might take it. And I know that, you know, in, as freedom fighters, generally we don't give a damn what other people think. But in this case, it matters what other people think because we're trying to change what people think. And it will only change right. what people think if they take you serious and if they look at you as somebody who they value their opinion. And we have to present ourselves that way. So um, appreciate everything, Glenn and, and Peggy, and, uh, you know, appreciate the, the value that your chapter brings, and um, we'll keep on marching with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You guys have a great evening. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. We got Zachariah. We got Dina. We got Mike and Sarah. I think we're going to bring up Zachariah next. He had a hearing uh, I believe last week, and I haven't heard anything about what happened. And uh, then we're going to go to Mike and Sarah because I so much want to talk about what's going on out in Kansas. And then we got Dana because we got this big old rally coming up in Missouri. And then we got Bob, and he had a case up in Oregon, and uh, always stuff happening. Oregon, where everything's so cool and legal. Yep, uh huh. Here we go. And then we got Bobby, and, um, you know, I think I'll probably have just enough time for everybody. So let's begin with Zachariah, and let's see what's going on. Zachariah, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hello. Hello. How are you doing this call? evening? Ah, there he is. How's it going today? <laughs> Pretty good. Um, yeah, I had my court case uh I think it was, yeah, last week. And uh, Dana came up and uh, went to court with me. He got to see what I go through and witness firsthand. Um, I right. was told by my, yeah, I was told by my um, my public uh, pretender that he's going to be leaving and I'll be having a new one here shortly. So they basically just got my UAs down to one a week. Um, he said hopefully next month when I go back in front of the judge, that I can get them completely taken off because, well, I haven't had any dirty ones. And um, just going from there, it's it's just basically still no discovery, no letter of intent. The prosecutor pretty much laughed at the case because it was just for marijuana. And I'm hoping everything goes good and I can get this all dismissed. Yeah, no kidding. So you don't have a word yet from your new uh, public pretender? No, no. I called uh, my old one to find out when the new one. They said that 
they'll be handed out the new cases to different uh, the different pretenders on the 23rd. So I'm on them. I'm on them like like white on rice, man. Trying to find out what's going on and to have that motion well, put gonna, into where I don't have. You're gonna be out of the rally again. next Friday. Are you gonna yes, be out of the rally next Friday? Awesome. Well, then I'll get to yep, meet yep, you in I'm person. Gonna... I'll be out there as well. Yep, I'm headed down there. Awesome. Well, I'm looking Enough. forward to it and, uh, you know, getting everybody together um, and, and, you know, sharing our stories and sharing our enthusiasm and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, putting some humanity to it. You know, it's, it's rough sometimes. We deal with organizing volunteers all across the country and we do it electronically. And even here with the voice, listening to each other's voice, there's a, a degree of separation that we just can't break through without being in the yeah. same room together. And um, I know Correct. the difference when you get to be there with somebody. Um, there's there's a connection that's so much different. That's why I'm I'm going out there because it's important. It's important to uh, uh, to tie these binds together and to to get to know each other a bit. And you know when you're supporting somebody that you've met in person, it's different than somebody you sort of kind of know because of Facebook or the internet or even a phone call. So yep. Um, Appreciate you standing up. Yeah, can't wait to meet you. Likewise, likewise. All right, well, um, next week we'll do this again, and I appreciate you checking in and letting us know what's happening. For anybody who's never been to a court case, most of the time you deal with showing up for nothing. You show up and something stupid happens, and you got to take your day off and go to court, and they're just going to work, and one time after another. I think I went to court over 200 times before they finally dismissed my case 200 times over six years. And that was all on the taxpayer's dime, and they took my time for me, and I'll never get it back. So um, I use that to fuel myself with a little bit of frustration and anger as I'm working towards this goal of freedom and liberty. So I'm glad to have you with me, and uh, we'll keep on going. Yeah, thank you for letting me call in, and um, thanks for your show. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, my pleasure. All right, folks, let's see where we got. We got Mike and Sarah now, and uh, Mike and Sarah are heading up our Kansas chapter, and these guys have done amazing work in a short period of time. It's been, I tell, coming up on a year maybe, or maybe right around a year, and uh, I have watched these guys go and support cases all over in Kansas and in Missouri and and then, then we, you know, they've been helping out with the legislation battle, and, and they've got this plan, which I wholeheartedly support, which is about a reentry program. And um, they've also created and got a bill submitted that it basically mirrors the Oklahoma bill. And um, we've been working hard. I told them, I said, if you can get me an audience with the legislature, I will come out there and. Uh, I got the call yesterday since I think we got it. So let's hear it from these guys in person, and let's see what's going on. Mike and Sarah, it is always my pleasure. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, Joe. Uh, good to hear. Good to talk to you. Um, yeah, I guess you're going to be taking home a puppy, huh? <laughs> yeah, another chihuahua for my lovely wife. I, 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 I <laughs> that was my whole goal. <laughs> I told her if I ever have to go to Kansas again, she'll get another Chihuahua. Well, and I told you guys if you get me an audience with the legislature, I'll come out to Kansas. So 
you did your part, and I'm going to do my part. And the dogs are barking. I, I think the word word got out. A new chihuahua is coming in. And the whole pack starting to howl. It's vibe. It's vibe. Right on. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're looking forward to it. We'll we'll definitely we'll have a, we'll we'll have a lot more information. I'm meeting with somebody tomorrow at lunch uh, to sit down and talk about it to make sure all of our eyes are dotted and t's crossed because it's going to be a we're we're being selected to have to be able to be in front of these legislators. They're not just letting anybody in, so it's kind of a good deal. It's a great deal. It's an opportunity that, you know, it, it didn't just happen by accident. You guys have been diligently networking and meeting with people that uh, have influence and presenting something with thought and with purpose and well-written and, and well-planned. And you guys present yourself well. I've watched you guys, the way you show up, the way you carry yourselves, the way you speak. And, I, you know, that's what's important. It's not so much about you know, just being ourselves and doing what we want to do. It's about it's about being soldiers. It's about doing what we need to do to get done what we need to get done. And, you know, you're not going to force your way into a state legislature. You're going to hopefully, you know, encourage somebody to find you important and interesting and give you an opportunity to present your case. And that's what we've got now, an opportunity to present our case. So, I am so looking forward to strategizing and laying this out and uh, preparing. That's what's going to be all about is preparing our presentation so that, you know, we can speak off the cuff and we'll have an opportunity to do that. But to lay out bullet points and to lay out our points in a well-thought-out, not overly rambling way is going to be important, and we're going we're gonna to demonstrate how that's done. Yeah, yeah, we're we're super excited about it. Uh the Jennifer Hess house too is finished. We have to uh uh we're going to go back I think and she's got a leak under the toilet. I think we're going to go try to take care of that. But other than that, the living the the kitchen and stuff is redone, the bathroom is redone. It's you know, should be acceptable for them other people to come out and do her windows or whatever they're going to do to help her out too. Um so so excited. So for anybody who's listening now, you know, every week we get new listeners and, and people from all over the place that I get the same question, what is this show about? Well, this show's about people making a difference in the world. And one of the differences that happened, Jennifer Hess came to our attention through some of our members and, and some supporters about a, a, a woman who uh, has a pot case. And, and not only does she have a pot case, but she had a husband who died in custody because he was denied medicine that would have saved his life and also had her kids taken from her as a result of this case. And one of the things that they said was, well, you can't have your kids because your house isn't fancy enough. And so what we did is um, Jennifer had done a fundraiser and raised up some money, and we did a fundraiser and raised up some money. And Mike and Sarah, um, in, in as coordinators of our chapter, came up with a contractor who was willing to come out there and we brought enough manpower and got the materials, and they actually spent two weekends up there working on this woman's house, That's fixing it up, getting it ready, so that ultimately Jennifer can get her kids back in her own custody. And that's what this is all about, folks. That's what the human solution is yeah, all about, is really. doing what it takes to make a difference out there. And sometimes it means showing up at court. Sometimes it means just picking up the phone and listening when somebody 
is lost and doesn't know what they're doing, sometimes it's giving a little advice, going, hey, you know what, I've been where you are, maybe we can help. Sometimes it's picking up and making a sign and getting out there and marching and rallying and chanting, and sometimes it's 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 picking up a drywall trowel and fixing up a wall. Um, every one of those things are part of the human solution, and it's all what we're about. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's writing a letter to a prisoner, being there for them. Um, we need your help, folks. We need more people to be engaged with this. You know, unfortunately, I know all of the people that are helping out with the Human Solution. I know you all personally. I would love to have 100 of you that I've never met before that I don't know, that I've never talked to, and that's what we need. We need more people to step up and say, hey, you know what, I'll help. I want to do a little bit more. What can I do? And I'll tell you what, I'll give you something to do. I'll put you in touch with somebody who has something to do. And that's what we're looking for right now. You guys have been an inspiration to me. You know, sometimes I get out there and I'm like, geez, there's there's me and five people helping out. And then I watch you guys out there in the middle of the country just soldiering on every day. And you bring out the best in me. So I appreciate everything you guys are doing. Thank you, Joe. We we appreciate it. I mean, we we work pretty hard. I mean, we're working realistically trying to work with the people who make the decisions. They're the ones we're trying to educate. You know what I mean? We don't worry about educating the next-door neighbor. I mean, we do. We educate everybody. Let, let me rephrase that. But we spend a lot of time working with people in power, you know what I mean, and and helping them to understand, you know what I mean, that you know we can't be sending people to jail for something that right next door the people are millionaires for. You know what I mean? That's retarded. That don't even make sense. Oh, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And the most frustrating part about this is people just don't get it. And you're right. You got If you're able to target people who just don't get it, we might as well target people who just don't get it but can make a difference in other people. And I totally agree with what you're doing, and I support. Obviously, I'm, I'm willing to – to bring another Chihuahua into my house, and it's not like we don't already have four of them. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm bordering on the edge of being a crazy person having – this will make seven dogs, just so you all might know. So, listen, anybody who wants to get involved in the Kansas chapter and the work that you're doing on any level and they want to come and help out, how do they get a hold of you guys? I'm pretty sure we're on the Human Solution International dot org page. Uh, and the Kansas chapter on Facebook. And the Kansas chapter on Facebook. We're, we're pretty much right underneath you somewhere. All right. Awesome. And you are absolutely correct. Well, once again, folks, this is evidence that uh, a few people can make a gigantic difference. And uh, my concern and the Kansas chapter exemplify that every single day. Well, thank you guys for being here. And I look forward. It's going to be about a week and a day or two that I'll be out there seeing you guys in person. Yep. Yeah, guys, have a good night. Thanks, guys. All righty, you too. All right, let's see. We got Dana Bland up next. Now, Dana is um, – he didn't actually say he wanted to talk, but I know he generally does. And um, he's the one that is hosting this first rally for the Walk for Change. And uh, we have one, two, three, four, I think five chapters getting together in, in addition to defendants and – other activists and uh, people that just care about what the heck we're doing um, are going to get together and we're going to rally and uh, we're going to motivate each other, we're going to educate each other, we're going to support each other and show what the human solution is all about. Dana Bland with the Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition chapter in Missouri. How are you doing today? Oh, we're doing, we're doing okay. Uh, 
yeah, there's been a lot going on with, yeah, like what's happening over there in Kansas. Uh, uh, there's another case for her coming up in November. I don't know the exact date. Just look for it and you'll see it. But uh, we want to get as big, as many people or as more than what we had the last time. And uh, we're making a difference there. Uh, their, their chapters there in Kansas are really, really stepping up. And uh, I've seen them coming from all around. So, you know, thing, thing, things, think people are waking up. And, uh, but what people really need to know is, uh, you know, this, this thing, the Walk for Change Freedom Rally down here, uh, there in Butterfield, Missouri, uh, it's for everyone. And uh, if if there's someone that's looking, you know, that's that's you know needing some healing in their body, just bring them, and uh, uh, or they just want to learn uh, what what we're about and why we stand for definitely the medical side and everything else about the cannabis plant and the free it. Uh, it I, I believe it's there's going to be a lot of people there because there's going to be a lot of well-known people there, so. Uh, and and as far as I know, we're gonna have a doctor there talking to uh, my doctor from Rourke's clinic. So, so uh, right he he he's at Hanaham, uh and uh, he he's he's real good. I met him uh, right after I mean right after all this stuff happened, and uh, between him and Rourke and when they did the uh, amendment two uh, got it going, uh, that's where I started really getting into activism and. If you want to take and receive people, just take and know this. Uh, to receive is to give. If you just get out there and give to help others, no matter, I mean, there's lots of ways of doing that. Uh, just be there with your presence, take and help us out, you know, and, and let's get all one voice because this country, the government's screaming so loud, it's just going to drown us out. So we just got to get out there and scream louder. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you're right. You just gave up the secret of activism is to give is to receive. And the more you give, the more you get. I I couldn't agree with that more. I've always said I'm the most selfish guy in the world because I can't get enough of that stuff that you get when you give a little bit. And it just makes, you know, it just brings you a fulfillment. You know, you think about humanity and you think about the, the things that life is all about. And you know, as we get older, um, as we're all doing, um, you come to realize that mortality is a part of life. And, and, and when you start losing your, your friends and loved ones because, you know, they're, they're, they've lived out their lives, you start to bring uh, what's important in life to the forefront. And um, being part of humanity and helping people and raising people up and supporting them and loving them and, and being loved by them, that's what this is all about. That's what this whole human experience is. And uh, the more we can figure that out, the better we all are. So that's what this is about, folks, being part of the human solution and making the world a better place. Uh, Dana and Sue, uh, how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to help out? Uh, we're Hope for Change in the End of Prohibition, Human Solution, Missouri Chapter. Uh, my number is 417-847-7974. And, uh, yeah, make your plans to get there to the 19th because everybody that's everybody is going to be there on on this event. It's going to be fun, and uh, it's going to be a really good time for everyone that can actually meet each other. 
and and we got a pretty good radius of, of miles that people will come from. So uh, let us know if you're coming because it's not the biggest building in the world. Thank you. you we'll do a special edition Cup of Joe live stream from the event so everybody can be a part of it. That's that's one thing we'll 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 find a way to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so it, it, it's it's. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, you can get on to your next guest. You got a lot of them, but uh, it's a it's a very important thing to get involved because we all have to get involved together. Like I said, we have to be louder than what the, the noise that the government's making right now. So. Couldn't agree more. You you are a true warrior, and I appreciate you and Sue for everything you guys are doing. And uh, you know, you you inspire me as well to. Uh, Get out there and keep on going. So uh, we're we're doing this. We're making a difference. We're going to end this, and we're I feel like we're we're ramping up steam. We're gaining momentum, and we're going to start pushing harder and harder until we get what we want. And what do we want? We want justice. And when do we want it? We want it now. And we want freedom, and we want liberty. And we're going to get it. We're going to march, and we're going to speak, and we're going to do what it takes to get it. And of course, a nonviolent, peaceful way. So. Be part of the civil unrest. Be part of the solution. We appreciate you guys. All right. Well, it'll be a week and a couple of days. I'll be seeing you in person, and otherwise we'll talk to you next week for sure. Yeah, we'll talk to you then. Uh, but you, you just keep on going, doing what you're doing, because it's 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 starting to work. So. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I will talk to you. Uh, I'll, well, hopefully we'll talk to you tomorrow. Well, go tell them what you need. I'm still on this show. I can't stop right now. We're still going. Anyways, um, let's see. We got we're we're getting close. I got uh, eight minutes left of this two hour one hour show, and I got two more callers left, three more callers. So we got two Bobbies and a Tom. Let's see what we can do. We got Bobby from Northern California first up. Bobby, how's it going? Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Okay. How are you, Joe? Doing fantastic, above ground breathing, and currently out of custody. That is wonderful. Um, I wanted to relay that I've done some research now, and anybody with a case, if they ask for a fast and speedy trial, the whole judicial system will collapse. You can, it's on the internet. You can go to YouTube, Sixth Amendment rights. Your right to a fast and speedy trial. What it comes down to is nobody wants to work. Not the people in the courts, not the attorneys, not anybody. Nobody wants to work. They expect everybody to take a plea. And I have recently discovered that 90% of the people in Oregon have had their rights violated. And there is a case law called Barker versus Wingo, which is a Sixth Amendment right to your fast and speedy trial. I guess the state of Oregon has made up their own constitution which does not trump the United States Constitution. And and so my advice to anybody out there going through a court case is, is you need to ask for a fast and speedy trial because your attorney probably won't. And if you do that, they, nobody wants to work. So they're going to dismiss your case. Uh, and this is an ex-cop on YouTube telling you 
that if everybody in a court case asks for a fast and speedy trial, that ha- I mean, the judicial clips just it would just collapse. They would not have any more cases because they don't have enough judges, prosecutors to do it in the amount of time of a fast and speedy trial, which is a a constitutional right. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. When people uh, uh, claim their rights, I watch it happen all the time. You got all these people with their admiralty law and their sovereign stuff, and they claim it. But, you know, I watch them every time they come into court and they say, well, you don't have jurisdiction over me because the, the flag has got a fringe on it. And the court says, well, that's too bad. You're locked up. You lose. And juries convict these people all the time. And every once in a while, one, one will find their way through it. And the court doesn't know what to do. And then they mount this whole entire case based on that. Your right to a fast and speedy trial is there as long as the court gives it to you. And if you don't get it, then you have appellate courts and ultimately the Supreme Court to challenge it. Hopefully the rule of law means something. No, the Supreme Court has already challenged it. It's called the Wingo versus Barker. It's went to the United States Supreme Court. Well, that's, again, as, as the, the deal is with the Supreme Court ruling is when a judge says something to you and you say, well, this is what applies here, um, if that judge that's giving it to you doesn't agree with you and say, well, that doesn't apply because that was only for this in the narrow scope of things, then you still got to go through with it. That, that's the thing we all got to realize, and that's, that's part of this. Even if we're right, it doesn't necessarily matter. I was right, and they ran me through the court for six years, locked me up four times. I was right. In the end, I won. Yeah, so what? They took everything from me, and in the end, they got paid, and I lost everything. So that's, that's what being right sometimes will do for you. It's, it's, it's why we need fighting. It's why we need to keep keep getting out there together. It's why we need to continue on until we get the end goal, which is ending prohibition and opening up our own freedoms. Just being right isn't enough. It's not enough to have a law that says you're okay. You have to fight for that. We all have to fight for that. And until enough of us do this long enough, they're going to keep taking it from us and saying, yeah, that doesn't apply to you today. And hopefully... You know, you find a place where they say, you're right, you do have rights, and this does apply to you. So I, that's ultimately my hope is that that happens. Mind you, Joe. Up and fight. That's the only way we can do it. For some reason, these people think that they can um, outdo the United States Constitution, and I don't understand it. Well, that's, that's what we're here to do is to uh, – Educate, motivate, inspire, and remind everybody that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and that's the one thing that everything else is supposed to be held up against. And when they violate it, which they do often, it's up to us to say, well, hold on now. And how how did prohibition get to be? Oh, yeah, the same thing. They violated our constitutional rights, and we let them do it. So, um, you know, we're here to keep fighting. We're here to keep Keep going until we get it done, and um, all I can say. But Bobby, I got three minutes left, and two people yep. to. Uh, okay, to- one second. I have one more thing to say, real quick, sir. And it is, uh, guess what? I can go buy a million kegs of beer and a million cases of cigarettes. Guess what? That's a drug that will kill you. And 
they'll tax me. Taxes and death. So that's the legal drug. It's not matters. They don't care. Um, what I'm trying to say is they don't care. Um, what they don't care what drugs you use. It's whose drugs you're using. It's true. It's absolutely true. Well, I appreciate everything. I appreciate you coming aboard, and I appreciate you staying and fighting. And uh, we will make this change. So. Uh, yes, we'll and you too, sir. And if there's any phone calls I can make, I'm very sick, but I'm able to make phone calls, do anything like that. Just let me know what I can do to help other people, and I I can do that as well. I'm not very good at emailing right. and stuff, but I can help other people. I'll get you. I'll get you something to do. All right, folks. Well, um, Bobby was to speak or listen. So, Bobby, I'm sorry. Today you get to listen. We got Tom Corby with one minute and 53 seconds left. We got to make it quick. We're at the end of our two-hour, one-hour show. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. You got one minute and 45 seconds. Thank you, Joe. Three minutes? I'm not a man of brevity, you see. One minute, 45 seconds. All right. So... Yeah, I'm I'm here today uh, with uh, Frank Canan and Darius Suzanne, and I don't know what we would do without them. Uh, that's what friends are for. Uh, we're waiting for uh, our electrician Steve coming in now to help get our power going with PG&E. Uh, there are lawsuits and injunctions coming. What's happening here? Uh, <clears throat> Steve, our electrician from Williams Williams Electric here, Chico and Oroville, uh, are really they're they're top notch and part of uh, a lot of our friends, and they're teach they're gonna hook our our house up with a generator that goes directly into the house. We don't have extension cord. For those who are in Northern California. Uh, I really strongly recommend Williams Electric. They've helped me so much. Uh, Steve, first thing he said, <clears throat> heard of the Human Solution International, how it helped a lady up north. Uh, he couldn't remember her name, helped her with her case. That's what we do with defendants. We advocate and we help work the case like Frank Canan here and uh, and Bobby Jared, uh, Frank's best friend, uh, very good talk tonight. And I've been up with Bobby advocating uh, for a couple weeks. And, of course, we we make no deals. We take them to trial. Uh, if we go to trial, we'll try to make it up there. And we'll have to get you up here, too, Joe. Yep. Um, Frank and Am, I want to say a little something today about the, the Missouri and the Kansas chapters. Uh, shout out to the Missouri and the Kansas chapters. You, you guys are rocking it, and I'm glad you're getting to go out there, Joe, because I can't have the time to go out there right now. There you go. Well, that's and it. Frank's We're going to get her done. Yes. Frank's got family connections there. He might be able to help out. I also have Daria Suzanne here today. Nobody should go to prison or jail for a sacred plant. There you go. Woo! All right. Yeah. How much time I got, Joe? I can go on for a couple hours. You are officially <laughs> out of time. Oh, I'm out of time? Yeah, you're in <laughs> overtime. Extra, double extra overtime. I don't oh. know when they're going to cut me off now. 
Just keep talking, Tom. Uh, keep talking. So I, I actually have Bob Jarrett's uh, text message that we've been working on, and that's what we do. Uh, he starts out, they told me, like you said earlier, uh, can only have a fast and speedy trial if I'm incarcerated. Uh, there sounds like a violation to the Sixth Amendment. Uh, he contacted ADA and already have a case number with lawsuit. That's what we do. We throw the lawsuits at them. That's what they have ears to hear. But also going after them for civil rights. Uh, I can't believe the judge denied me a fast and speedy trial. I thought that was a right. I said, uh, my poll as well, the right to a 45-day time waiver for speedy trial is your right. Yet another clog in their wheel. Uh, I really like this case. Uh, this is getting weird, Bobby said. The judge told me I didn't have the right to, to fast and speedy trial. Trial on court record? I said, oh, <laughs> it's a dog and pony show, yeah. Even in even in the record, you'll have fun with that. Ah, brother. Community forum, and then he posts this, uh, and uh, he asked me if, if uh, Joseph Tully practices in Oregon. If this goes to trial, I would give two to one odds. This is not going to trial. They don't want to take this to trial. Hopefully they'll drop discovery. Still isn't completed. They can't take you to trial until you have all your discovery. I'd like to see uh, we what this PD does or doesn't do. And if it goes to trial, I are the best. And I said, I'm not sure. But, yes, totally team for the trial. Yeah, it'll go that far. Just use uh, and guide your PD, and if incompetent, recuse him. Can't take you to trial again until you have all your discovery. So, again, uh, we always take them to trial. We make no deals, uh, and that's how we get to win. The fat lady sings. <laughs> yeah, I'm running out. I need to breathe. Don't forget to breathe, Tom. All right. Well, I want to thank you all today, and Joe, and Lisa, and Mary, Becca, and all those on the front line, all the great speakers today. Uh, I remember, Joe, when we only had our show, and it almost went down, and now glad we've made it a two-hour show. Thanks to all those coming to help join the Human Solution International and volunteering to be the solution to find the end prohibition and free all our POWs. I want to thank you all today. As Donna says, I don't forget to breathe. Well, I couldn't agree more, and thank you so much, Tom Corby. Coordinator for the NorCal chapter, the legendary NorCal chapter. And I want to thank everybody that made this show possible today and everybody who is thinking about and maybe making the decision to do a little bit more starting right now. We will see you all next week. I think next week what we're going to do is we're just going to move the show to Saturday, Wednesday, and we're going to do a special edition Saturday during the Freedom Rally for the Walk for Change. All right, we'll see you all next week. 
Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always 